Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of 99 Potions, the premier fanbite RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Miriam Strum, Senior Managing Editor of Fanbyte.com. I am joined as is always and forever and has never not been the case, one, Eric Van Allen of Destructoid. <laughs> yes, only ever of Destructoid, never of many other websites on this God-given internet. Hello. Hi. Never. Exactly. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing all right. It's it's been a time. Uh, I've been diving deep down the RPG rabbit hole that is Xenoblade Chronicles Three, and I'm ready to eat a lot of crow on this podcast. It's going to be great. Oh, awesome! Ah, shit! Cool. Crow. I love that. Mm-hmm. Crows in this one. Piping huh? hot. Crow. I love that character. <laughs> Uh, joining me also are, uh, two special guests, uh, that we just kind of like found on the street wandering around in the, in the dust and by the tumbleweeds, we've got, uh, news editor for fanbyte.com, Imran Khan. I feel like the, now in retrospect, the funnier introduction would have been to introduce us as a Normandy FM episode. (laughs) Sorry, Ken, I've, I've replaced you with three people. (laughs) I'm I'm money balling this. Oh no. Uh, we are also joined by what? Oh, but by God, that's John Warren's music. I'm back. I'm, I've been away. Uh, I've been on the coast of Alaska. I've also, um, from parts unknown, John Warren. I've also contracted many illnesses, but I'm here. (laughs) I'm here today and, um, here to talk about one of my favorite, uh, meta series of all time. It's very exciting. I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, I love uh, the Alien franchise of, you know, Fireteam Elite, mm-hmm. uh, Isolation, all that stuff. So we're yeah. here to talk about the Xenomorphs, uh, mm, which hey, is stuff. Hey, Nerium. If yeah, you love the Aliens franchise, you should play Live Alive. Really? Oh, yes. that's accurate. Yeah. God damn it. I, there's just every podcast I've been on for the past, like... Three weeks. I was on the Giant Bombcast. I've been on Channel F. I've been on 99 Potions. Everybody keeps telling me to play Night Live Alive. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if, if you love aliens, they they also very clearly love aliens. Okay. But alien. That's good to know. I feel like the first alien more mm. than, than aliens. Oh, that's true. Yes. Alien. Yeah. Singular. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in just mind. Just one alien. Um, God, it's not like I have a bunch of other stuff to play. No. <laughs> uh, games like... Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is actually what I'm talking about. Actually, what this document note says here says is, is I don't know what I just said, even. What this document says is Xeno Gearsblade Saga 2, the quest for less money. <laughs> 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 which That's is a really funny good. joke. 
Um, I don't know. I, I bet I'm almost certain that the Xenoblade Chronicles franchise makes more money now than yeah, the Xenoblade no. Saga. Oh, yeah. Chronicles it right definitely now. does. This, this, it didn't look like it would for a while, but yeah, see, it yeah. is now actually a surprisingly successful RPG series. Against all odds. Yeah, only yeah. only took only took Takahashi what 20, 24 years to get there. <laughs> Listen, it's the fanbite motto of just keep doing shit until eventually people like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Until people stop giving you money, just keep doing what works or what you think yeah. works. Exactly. <laughs> uh we are going to be going through I think probably primarily in order, which means we'll get to the newest game last, which will be Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but we'll bounce around and jump around and do whatever we want because that is how we roll. We're the bad boys of video gaming. Uh <laughs> if we are starting with that, though, we can the bad uh, talk boys about and thems. <laughs> the bad boys <laughs> and them, one singular. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the actual question I have for everybody to really start things off is like, what is everybody's relationship with this series, franchise, meta narrative? And I'll, I'll start with Eric, since you are uh, the regular host and everything like that. So you get first dibs. <laughs> the regular host. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. That, why are you foisting more podcasting duties on me? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So like Xena xeno whatever xeno series uh i guess princess yes Mm -hmm. xeno warrior princess uh i started with xeno saga back on the playstation 2 because i as much as i played some playstation 1 rpgs my rpg playing did not really kick off until final fantasy 10 on the playstation 2 which was a hugely hugely influential game uh and series on me if you want to hear more about that go check out norm dfm the retrospective we did on final fantasy 10 there um let you know play the super bowl <laughs> but um <laughs> i xeno saga was this game i went to kind of looking for something like that and what i wound up finding was just the most bonkers like all over the place meta narrative like christian imagery it was the closest thing to evangelion i had seen since like seeing Mm -hmm. evangelion uh just in the fact that someone was clearly obsessed with like crosses and biblically correct angels and things like that uh and i loved it that stuff was great uh takahashi was about like five ten years ahead of the game on the whole uh android robot girl thing with 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 2b and near automata uh cosmos is great and then i i dabbled in the other games but never really got far in them uh and then xenoblade came out and i was i i didn't really play my wii much so i you know chronicles one passed me by chronicles two uh looked like it was a trap like you just got sent to jail if you bought that game so (laughs) i (laughs) i just passed on it you should be yeah it's i i've often described it as a weird science the anime jrpg because (laughs) it is literally a game about a small boy child and his tall hot girlfriend's sword and i've never been able to get past that i don't think i ever will get past that i'm sorry but (laughs) (laughs) bill paxton turn is in this one too which is interesting it's incredible (laughs) bill paxton in his final role as xenoblade chronicles (laughs) (laughs) but yeah xenoblade 3 um not to get like too far ahead of the ball here but xenoblade 3 might be one of my favorite games i've played this year interesting rips it is so good uh in ways that 
number one, I did not think the series could be even enjoying Xenosaga one a lot, but also it just feels like it feels like the big RPG that the switch has needed for a while. I I, I feel like the switch has long been, you know, kind of a home for retro RPGs and Mm, like homages to classic gaming. You have like Octopath and Triangle Strategy, both of which are great games, but feel very nostalgic. And this is the closest thing we've had to like a big budget. I I keep comparing Xenoblade three to tales of arise because it feels Mm. like the tales of arise moment for this series. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, if you want to know my history with the Xeno meta franchise, I mean, I I was a I was a Xeno Gears uh, OG. Um, oh, heck I yeah. played that game and it really blew my mind uh, back in, you know, 98, 99, whenever I played it. Um, and yeah, I've been just really interested in, in Tetsuya Takahashi ever since. I think um that the Xeno saga series is like enormously flawed and um, goofy, mm-hmm. but it's so big. They take so many big swings in that thing. Um, <laughs> like go back and play the Xeno saga trilogy. If you haven't, it's like, it's totally, totally, totally uh, worth it. If you like just, just the biggest, boldest bullshit you can imagine in your, in your JRPGs. Um and uh, Xenoblade, I, I think like in terms of you know mechanics and scope and clarity, I think Xenoblade is really tight, you know, compared to the mm-hmm. rest of of their other games. Um, but they're still sprawling and huge and, and interesting, and they seem like a um, like a real evolution of what I feel like they wanted to do with the original Xeno gears in terms of making something that has scale and, um, weird platforming, honestly, like, you know, Hey, can I make this platforming work kind of stuff in a JRPG, which is like finicky and kind of goofy and maybe not what you want from a JRPG, but it's like, Mm. it kind of helps kind of, you know, build out the sense of scale of this like really large world. Um, and they, they got that all the way back in Xeno gears. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that they really started, you know, 25 years ago. Um, you see a lot of those things in Xenoblade, even up to, even up to the brand new Xenoblade Chronicles three, which I also think is very good. I've not played that much of it, but I think it is, um, I think it is very clearly a a good culmination of a bunch of lessons learned from um, Xenoblade 1, 2, and then X. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to get get deeper into that. For me, I, I remember borrowing Xenogears from a friend as a kid. And I don't think at the time, at that time in my life of being a 14-year-old who had mostly just played Final Fantasy games. Like, yeah. I the the comparison that came into my head like a couple of months ago, and I feel like it still kind of holds, is if Final Fantasy seven and or eight and eight were like the uncharted two of JRPGs, then mm. Xeno Gears was like binary domain. Like Ooh, okay. a game that like is actually very interesting, but boy, if you're only used to Uncharted 2, that's gonna be like a real fucking hard no when, <laughs> when you're when that's your touchstone at the moment. So like I, I didn't play it. Uh, then I've never actually gone back to it. I've seen like let's plays and read synopses. And it's like, it all seems like a very interesting narrative that 
maybe kind of a chore to play, especially when you already know the story. So I've I've never gone back to it. Maybe someday in my life, maybe if they were to make it, who knows? Would I might do so? Uh, Zero Saga. I bought the first one. Uh, I remember that game came out at a time where I think it came out probably a decade too early of hmm. people going. Well, I'm not even playing. You're not playing this game. You're just watching it. Because I remember yeah. that was a thing people used to say about games like Xenosaga and like Metal Gear and stuff like that. Of I can't believe there's 15, 20 minutes between uh, or in this cutscene between this and the next battle. Uh-huh. I remember that that like being a thing that really bothered me. And I don't think it would bother me now. I think it bothered me then because that was the conversation of these aren't games because you're just watching them. And I was very easily influenced by that. Yeah. Right? I feel like JRPGs also suffered from, like, the overlong... This was the height of, like, overlong summon animations as well. Like, where you... It was partially, yeah, it was just, like, the cutscenes are too long, but also partially it was just, like, boy, every random battle... It was also, like, the height of random battles. Like, I feel like JRPGs for a long time were kind of, like, in decline until really, at least in the West, until really Persona kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, really revitalized a lot of that stuff with like Persona 4 I remember being like a, an especially big deal when it came to Vita and people getting like way into that and um, kind of pinning a lot of the hopes and dreams of stuff there and then you know obviously JRPGs are kind of back in vogue now but there was yeah there was a time there where Binary Domain is a really good example because that's like mm-hmm. a very good game from that era of a bunch of Japanese developers doing not very good games that are uh, a lot of um, third person shooters that were trying to be Uncharted, that were trying to be Gears of War Mm -hmm. and not really getting it all the way. Um, And then, yeah, I think we've kind of moved back into a place of like people being like, I don't know, I have a different idea. And Xenoblade feels like a different thing. Xenoblade doesn't feel like anything else right now. Yeah. Xenoblade. So, I remember playing Xenoblade because I was, I was, I remember the, the launch hype towards that, or not hype, I guess. The people looking at that, like, pictures with kind of bemused interest, because, like, it looked real ugly on the way. It was not a good looking game at all until you, like, leave that first area and you, like, you see the rest of the big open world and what it's actually trying to go for. Mm -hmm, But, like, you look at the the PR shots Nintendo (laughs) sent in 2007 and be like, what? What is this game? Why does this look like this? Why does uh-huh. why yeah. do people look like they have weird blurry mouths and the fruit looks like a flat texture and all that? <laughs> and it's because they weren't very good at that stuff and the Wii was not a very powerful system. But yeah. like it, I think that kind of, I think Nintendo of America also looked at that stuff. It was like, no, we're not bringing this over. And it was like really interesting. I don't think I would have probably been interested in the game until Nintendo said, no, you can't have it. Yeah. I was like, okay, mm. now I'm very interested yeah. in it. Now I yeah. want to play this. <laughs> it, it was a thing that I don't think a lot of people even remember at this point, but it was part of Operation Rainfall. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. like the main thrust of that thing. Because like it was that, the last story, and... Pandora's Tower. Yeah. Pandora's Tower, yeah. Three and... games we all remember so fondly. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's always talking about Pandora's Tower and the last story. <laughs> I know a lot actually, of people really like Last Story, too. Yeah, actually. I liked, I liked yes. the last story. I did. It it should get released on something else. It never will. But yeah, but yeah, I I I ended up buying Xenoblade because it was a GameStop exclusive, if I recall correctly. Really? Yeah. You yeah. Can yeah. Totally it buy was. It at GameStop. Wow. Right. There was like a bunch of weird stuff. 
they were selling like used copies for more than the cost of the game new because it was like rare but Ugh. then like pe- there were like accusations of of GameStop opening up copies so it would count as oh used oh my god <laughs> so they could <laughs> they could sell it for more than MSRP i that was a weird thing but yeah that did like i don't remember how much evidence there was of the of the intentionally opening stuff but they were definitely selling it for like $70 and stuff like that like yeah. used yeah and i remember that game came out i think 2 weeks before i was going to take a trip to like Portland and San Francisco and to like just visit some people, family, whatever. So I figured, okay, I can, I can beat this game in two weeks. One, that's a terrible idea. Two, <laughs> I, I did this while I think Frasier had just come to Netflix. So I started oh. watching, I was binging Frasier. So wow. now I have in my head an indelible link between Xenoblade and Frasier that will just never go away. And like, I remember this coming up when Shulk got revealed for Smash Brothers because they played yeah. Xenoblade music and that Xenoblade music <laughs> in my head triggered memories of Frasier. So, wow. <laughs> so I've had Pavlovian reaction. Reveal, yeah. <laughs> Put toss salad and scrambled eggs over Shulk <laughs> doing a backslash. Fra- Frasier <laughs> is really feeling it. Now uh, it's Niles time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, really, I really fucking enjoyed that game. Uh, I pl- bought two much later because I think two came out at just the, the worst time. Two came out like weeks after Mario Odyssey. No, no, it came out two months after Mario Odyssey. But like also that was just a it was a busy time. I didn't have time to play Xenoblade Two. I think I I think I just started a Game Informer at the time. So oh, like sure. yeah, it, it it was very busy. I didn't play two until recently, and I really like it. I think it's a very good video game, but also. I wrote it, I think I, this was like six months ago because I did a micro review for it on Fanbyte. That game is an autosave. And yeah, I ended up no, really. like, I ended up to a, losing to a crash several hours of gameplay that I've just non, not gone back to since then. Yeah. And now that Xenoblade 3 seems really good, mm-hmm, I probably mm-hmm. will go back to it and actually like finish that game at some point. That's what I've been doing. I, I finished Xenoblade 1. Cause I, so my, my experience, I, I didn't play Xenogears when it came out, but I played a bunch of it when we did an episode talking about Xenogears for 99 potions very early on at the beginning of 99 potions run. Um, I never touched Xeno Saga. Uh, Xeno Saga was always like the butt of a bunch of X-Play jokes. And that was what I knew about <laughs> Xeno Saga. Um, and Xenoblade Chronicles 1, I played it on the Wii, I played it on the 3DS, and then I played it on the uh, Switch and I never beat it any of those times. And I was like... Half, I always get about like halfway through or got about halfway through to the part where you get to the big snowy mountain mm-hmm. after going to Prison Island. And I think it's like almost exactly the halfway mark of the game, according to people. Yeah. So I I, always, I did that twice. I did it once on the Wii and I did it once on the 3DS version. And then I finally and then I did it again on the, uh, the, on the Switch version. Finally came back and beat it like in the last like two weeks. Mm, and then nice. I have also been doing the same thing with Xenoblade Chronicles 2 to build, lead up to Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because people are hyping up Xenoblade Chronicles 3 like it is actually like genuinely super, super good. I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2, as somebody who is playing that game, partially this is the result of me having to get back into that game uh, 60% of the way through after three years or whatever uh, since I last played it. But... I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is pretty bad. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the 
story and dialogue are, I mean, using English voice acting, which is probably a mistake because it's t- it's really just not very good. No, Miriam, even- that's not true. <laughs> no, don't say that about the voice acting. Well, some so in this one, some people sound like that, but then there's like Tetsuya Nomura characters, oh, which I don't know true. if you knew that, but but like so yeah, the, like the main character Rex, who's just this like little <laughs> fucking little he's lad little, who does sound like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the um he's the worst. Um, I think people from looks like that and sounds have like American accents for whatever um, reason. Oh, I and they also that. look like Kingdom Hearts characters. Yes, uh-huh. for whatever reason. <laughs> yep. Um, what if Nomura made his own country? Like, oh, literally made oh, his no. own country. Oh, God. I don't want Nomoria. that. Uh, oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Th- that, that absolutely sounds like the name of a webcomic that, like, it's, is just is about oh, what I'm talking about. It's an Undertale alt fiction waiting to happen right there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, I, I haven't played three yet because I do want the, the, the context, but, boy, I ranted about it already on Channel F this week. People can go listen to Channel F on fanby.com slash podcast, but... I think the game is over-designed and very sloppy in some how, places. How mm-hmm. far are you in that game? I'm, like, nearly done. I'm, like, okay. I think I have, like, two and a half chapters left. Okay, because I was going to say, I do think it gets better over time, but if you're already that far in and you're, like, I'm not feeling it, you're, you're really not feeling it. I'm then... really not feeling it. <laughs> I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Sorry, the not. vibes are off. I, I yeah. refuse to take part in this mockery of of accents on here. I I will not feel it. Eric, <laughs> I'm sorry. Eric, Eric, join the fray. Oh no, no. I I can't. I've had to eat so much crow cuz I declared that I would never play Xenoblade Chronicles because of how ridiculous the accents are. Oh. And I now hate to admit that one of my favorite parts of 3 is the character Uni who has the most unabashed uh-huh. accent in the world yep. and mm-hmm. honestly, I'm like completely there for it. She's yep. great. So Yeah. I yeah, this Xenoblade Chronicles three is the story of me like eating my own words. It's the over the and monolith over again. localization team was the, the, all they've got in their room is a, a copy of Dick Van Dyke doing the chimbley sweep from <laughs> from fucking Mary Poppins. They're like, I guess this no. is just it. So I have to assume it's this is the way it is because of the weird way it got localized, where Nintendo of America passed on it, Nintendo of Europe right. didn't, so mm, they localized right. it in Europe. And then they just reuse that localization for America. So now it has like by this weird uh, hook and crooks circumstance has a European like basis for its localization. It's not completely well, outside the realm of like because like Final Fantasy 14 also yeah. just inexplicably like I feel like the like, you know, British accent is the go to for any sort of vaguely evilese adjacent style yeah. or like sure. high fantasy yeah. style. Well, in, in the case there's of Final Fantasy 14, they also though. In the case of Final Fantasy XIV, they also specifically switched from like doing a California-based like right, agency for right. voice acting to a, a British one, like for Heaven's Word. You haven't gotten to that point yet. Oh, Ron. Oh, okay. okay. I was gonna say I'm, I, I'm, I'm still <laughs> I'm still gathering food for some kind of fucking festival. Just like let me, <laughs> let me fight the fucking Titan. Yeah, last night was frustrating. <laughs> Incredible. Um. I actually I don't mind the act like honestly the a lot of the people in a lot of the accents in these games don't don't bother no, me that much. They, they don't no. bother me. It's just it's such a it, it's just so unbelievably predictable. Like I you could I could now identify a Xenoblade <laughs> game by by audio. Like mm-hmm. I it's mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's 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 not bad. Like it's not unpleasant to me, but it is funny. Very funny. Right. 
Yeah. I, I, I think it's just really particularly a mess in two because that game is so just sprawling and weird yeah. in a lot of ways and has like too much going on most of the time. It does have a lot going on. Yeah. I will um, say, though, that two's environment art is like next. Level. Oh, it's very all cool. of the mm. environment art mm-hmm. across yeah. all of these games. X is one, two, three. We didn't even mention X. Oh, yeah we, yeah. we fucking didn't mention X. Holy shit. I, Neither I completely Nintendo, forgot X existed. <laughs> That's the one I play the least. And I, I want them to bring it to Switch. But they they probably never will, I guess. No, no N- Nintendo's like we've brought all Xenoblade, the entire uh-huh. series to the Switch. And then yep. someone in the back is like, what about X? What and they're about like, X? we've brought all <laughs> Xenoblade games. Escort that Switch. man out of the audience. <laughs> uh which is a huge bummer to me because i fucking love mechs i don't know if my people no. have, have you heard about this uh i love mechs and, and mech shit and that game yeah, has that like some great. Of the, the coolest oh. mech shit in it oh. that game is actually pretty good i think yeah mm-hmm. it's just it is. It's, right here it was not what anyone wanted after xenoblade one i think and i think People, because the Wii U was a failure, so many games are, had these unrealistic expectations put on them to be like, oh, this is the this is the real Final Fantasy thirteen because mm, this is right. this is the game that like uh, we want okay, we okay. want to be like the next big thing. Then it's not. It's it's its own different thing that is very different from what the last thing was. So people kind of turned on it a bit. But I think in terms of like world building, that's one of the strongest games are JRPGs mm. in the last ten years. And also you can get into a mech, jump into the air, turn in that mech into a motorcycle and keep driving through the environment. Yeah. And then go punch a giant monster in the face. Yeah. I mean, fucking rules. They, they, they took, I, you know, every single, like, uh, listen, I, we, and, and, and we will at some point do this and I think do a deeper dive on it. And I would love to do that and be a part of it and, and design it from toe to tip and lovingly dote on it. But it's like Xeno gears set up all of these concepts that mm-hmm. like are, you know, that, that Takahashi and this team, this full team have like, you know, addressed at some point in all of these subsequent games. Like Xeno Saga was a lot of that religious theming and, and from Xeno gears and kind of putting it on, um, you know, a more macro scale, you know, that they had time to address. Uh, but like Xenoblade X was a lot of the, the gear, and mech stuff that they established in Xeno Gears that I thought was so exciting and ambitious. Um, and they, they turned it into an open world thing. And, and from, I mean, from what I've played and, and seen, it was very successful, but it just was on the Wii U. So. Yeah. It's yeah. like the last big, good Wii U game that has not been ported to the Switch. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, it's also like to talk about the history of Monolith Soft a little bit, like, these you can't talk about all the mechs and stuff without also noting that this this studio was basically founded on a love for Gundam, yeah. <laughs> like a a distinct love for just giant robots, but also like the stories that can be told around them. Um, when we were doing, we did a developer quest for uh, Monolith Soft over on Axe of the Blood God, an RPG podcast, a competitor of this podcast. Got y'all, <laughs> but. Um, we did a, a developer quest for Monolith Soft, and one of the quotes I pulled from in a Wada asks about Xenoblade Chronicles was talking about Takahashi, and um, 
Sakaguchi, you know, one of the the fathers yeah. of Final Fantasy, was talking about how one really clear memory that he had of Takahashi was that no sooner had he formed a separate team and gone to go work on his project that would become Xenogears and all that, that his desk became completely covered in Gundam models and toy guns. Like the second uh, Takahashi was given any level of like room to run with this stuff, he was like, okay, income the the Jungian and and oh, the, yeah. the mechs and we're just going all out and there's like that's just kind of the spirit of the Xeno series in general is just yeah. always being a hundred percent that shit all the time uh even when it may not have been the smartest <laughs> decision to make or right. the best demographic decision to make yeah I mean I I, I the 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 real thing for me um, that I've been really, I don't know, just excited to see um, this team do is just, you know, and, and folks may not know this, but like when Xenogears came out, you know, it was a big two disc thing. Um, kind of famously, the second disc is kind of a mess. It's like an unfinished rush job that, you know, doesn't really in the story anywhere near at the depth that the first disc kind of set it up. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's like something you should absolutely experience for mm-hmm. yourself. Um, I've never really, I can't immediately think of a game that does quite what this does is just go, Oh, by the way, like all this other stuff happens. Um, and then the game ends. It's like, it's so bizarre. But mm-hmm. when you get to the end of the credits, um, it, it just says, thanks for playing Xenogears episode five. And you're like, wait a second what? <laughs> like, then you find out that, you know, they wanted to make this kind of the six game series and really the, this was the most compelling chunk. And so they made it and, um, you know, it didn't do well enough to address any of the rest of the, the planned series. And then they kind of, you know, they kind of repackaged it into, uh, whatever became of Xeno saga, which is actually pretty different. And it had to be different for legal reasons. Um, but it's like I, I've just I don't know. I've really enjoyed watching them kind of take the ambitiousness of of that original game and um, you know just spreading that out into you know, two decades worth of I think very high quality if uneven JRPGs. And it's just been a I don't know a real delight. Like I was very very sad about Xenogears not being um, able to continue, and there are rights mm. issues there. There are um, you know, Square Enix still owns the rights to that stuff and Monolith can't really do anything in that universe anymore. So they'd have to do some sort of collab or get rid of the rights or whatever. Um, I was sad about that for a long time, but Monolith Soft has been making, I think, increasingly um, competent games, honestly, for the past 20 years. And it's been yeah. it's been a delight, I think. Yeah, I, I genuinely think like um, two is a step back from one in a lot of ways. I think like to just kind of has eyes that are bigger than its stomach in a lot of ways. Mm, And like mm -hmm. also is like trying to pave over a lot of that stuff with like, how do we get mass market appeal? And the way that they got mass market appeal or attempted to was just like make the tackiest horny characters they possibly could. (laughs) Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, they've Um, always been like that. They've done done it. This is on a different level. This was a gotcha. Momo and Cosmos and stuff from Xenosaga. Like that shit was pretty wild too. The part you were talking about near of like the the ice uh, area in Xenoblade. Right after that, you meet the big titty mech queen. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. God, that's a yeah, good I elevator pitch. Like the thing is the, the mountain ice area and the area after the big Teddy met queen, genuinely great storytelling and like profound sure. moments. But again, in the middle of that is the big Teddy. Twi- like they've always been like this for sure. But like, I, uh, I don't they know. They surface uh, it more in Xenoblade 2. I'm not going to disagree with you. They really like, do. Like, Pyra and Mithra are just, like, something else. I, I would say if they had launched Xenoblade 2 with the Pyra and Mithra designs in Smash Brothers, yeah. I think it, mm, yeah, totally. I think people would have liked it a lot better. Yeah. Totally. But I think, uh, like, also, the, like, those... Th- I don't disagree with you that that whole aspect is gross, especially some of the gotcha blades you can get. Yeah, that whole... Yeah, it's the we gotcha system about, that really does that, yeah. Does 3 have that, Eric? Uh, three does not have a gacha no. system. Okay. Uh, it has like a different thing for getting additional units and like classes that I think is a lot more interesting. But from what I understand, like the Xenoblade two gacha system was basically just a way for them to add a bunch of extra flavor and also just like get a bunch of concept artists to make all these blades that they have right. for, yeah. for a bunch of them stuff. are designed by different people. Yeah. yeah one they of basically them I went through is... Pixiv and just grabbed artists. Yeah. Which is one, like cool, but also leads to a lot of horny designs that yes. they maybe should oh check. Oh my god. I I took a screenshot of this character. I'm going to I'm going to sh- god um I forgot to save it anywhere, but there's a character that I got the other day called Dahlia, mm-hmm. who is like this um ice um bunny girl. Oh, I don't even just, Google that. I know who you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who's just who's like wearing like this micro dress and just has actually like breasts that are bigger than her head. It's she, wild. She has the most wild proportions I've ever seen in a like fictional character. Like, imagine if someone took Jessica Rabbit and put her in a funhouse mirror. Oh. Yeah. Ow. It's it's that off the wall. I feel really bad for her because, like, the back pain has just got to be something else. Good God. Yeah. And, like, um, some of the blades are actually really good designs and some are, like, really terrible designs. And it's yeah, a weird Yeah, I like mix some of the blades. Because, like, they, they had so many designers working on these things and they should have exercised some degree of, like, hey, no, this is no to this one. Let's let's try a different one. Right. And it and at least is just some stuff of like the game just having like not having a super clear aesthetic a lot of the time. Like yeah. the game just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. one of the first like story characters you get is like one called Vess and she's like got a cool enough design, but she looks like she just straight up from a different video game. Mm. And so do the vet bad guys who were designed by Tetsunoya Nomura. They just like look nothing like uh Rex does. Mm, or right. it, like the it's it's very strange and like I, I think that's part of why that game is just like uh maybe kind of the not super beloved middle child of all this stuff, but I'm like genuinely super curious. I know we're probably going to get into maybe some very light spoiler territory. I don't know. We'll see. But like, I'm very curious about like why people are so gaga for three right now, because I have put in the work. I'm nearly done with two. I'm going to put in a little bit more work to get through it to finally get to three. And I'm hoping that there's a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. Mm. I mean, you you say two is like not beloved, but it, it is. is like it's it is at least in maybe three beats it the best selling of any of the games with Zeno as the the sub or predatile. Sure. I but it but also it is the game that whenever I, you know, anecdotally talk to people, it is the one that everybody kind of points to and says, like, yeah, but also it's the it's kind of embarrassing to it's the most embarrassing one in a lot of it's, ways. I think that's, that's also true. 
That's an anime thing, though. Like, how many times yeah. have you recommended an anime series to somebody and been like, okay, look, but I got to, like, tell you some things up front before we get... Yeah, You're going to love I mean, Neon yeah, that's, Genesis that's, Evangelion, but... <laughs> that's <laughs> every Chainsaw Man conversation I've had in the last two weeks. Oh, I, I have <laughs> like, been... I've been screaming at people to read Chainsaw Man, and it is also like, I promise it's about more than he just wants to touch boobs. I promise you, it's <laughs> That's more only than the that. first like 15 to 20 chapters. Once you get past that, it's fine. And also that like desire is like very important to Denji's characterization <laughs> and about how the systems in place take advantage of people who have naive worldviews. And <laughs> yeah, sorry, this is not Chainsaw yeah, Man. No, Chainsaw Man is very good. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree yeah. with anything. The, the fact that he's a sex pest is part of is an important part of his character is just like it's like saying her ass is part of her character, too. He's, He's not a he's not a sex pest. He is a freaking teenage boy who that, has a one track mind and chainsaws for hands. That, all right, mm. that comment was more about Mineta from my Hero Academia. Oh, mm, oh, yeah, yeah. oh yes. no, Mineta deserves Mineta sucks. the void. Mineta should be launched into the sun. I hate that character. <laughs> But yeah, when you have to explain like My Hero Academia, it's like, okay, so there's a character named Miss Midnight. <laughs> Maybe just ignore her. Don't Google that. It's and like, <laughs> it, yes. And that I think that's a, to some extent like Xenoblade 2 of like Morag is one of the best designs in the series. But like mm -hmm. you can't really look at Morag and also not look at like sex snow bunny next to her. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they belong in the same universe even sometimes. It's, it's yeah. very strange. I do think that's a strength of Xenoblade 3 is that it feels like it has a much more like comprehensive and and put together view of what the world should look like and, and framing it all around this war that is happening across the, you know, landscape really helps with that. You can very easily identify like what faction a character hails from. And they they do mix in a lot of the fantasy races that they've created in Xenoblade. I imagine for story reasons, I will be like full, you know, full disclosure. I'm not there yet as to whether or not they explain any of that or not. But uh, they they do a really good job of just creating these really cool characters that also all look like they should be living in the same world and doing things. And there's not really outlandish designs in a way that feels jarring. There's just really neat, cool designs. There's uh, so far I've got like awesome gun dude that kind of looks like happy chaos from guilty gear <laughs> and uh, like super cool sword lady and guy who heals people with his bullets and stuff like yeah. that's uh, it, it's got more of a direction rather than that gotcha system we were talking about where it's like okay what's coming out of the machine this time to join my party and and look a little ridiculous speaking yeah. of like the different races in xenoblade quick up or down like kill them or love them uh <laughs> oh god what do people think about <laughs> nopons oh i love them <laughs> i think oh. they're i think they're fine i think they're fine I hate no pawns. <laughs> play Xenoblade uh, 3. I promise you. Play Xenoblade 3. You will I, love no pawns. I I largely dislike no pawns, except I think like you they already hit the zenith with Ricky in the first game. Where yeah. like, okay, actually we've been misjudging these things. They are smart, mature, you know, they're fathers and sons and all that. Like they're cool characters. It's just that you don't see that from the outside. Then after that, they were just character what's comedic elements and not so much characters. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll except I'll, for three. I've not played three to be clear. 
I can tie this into the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 discussion, which I want to be clear about one thing. Like we we talked about like a lot of the really corny and tacky designs in, in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I'm I got no problem with big titty character designs. Like I'm I'm a fan personally mm. of that in a lot of ways, but they're just not very um they're oftentimes just very not interestingly designed. They're not they're, they're just corny. Um however, in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, the Nopon party member you get is a engineer who builds a robot sex maid who joins your party. <laughs> Weird, yeah. science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. weird science. Weird science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do you like now, now near? Do you like Nopons more or less than Chuchu, the little bear that gets crucified? And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I like Nopons less. You think you like lo- Nopons less? Okay, interesting. Okay, I. Oh, but but I will say this. Um, in fairness to okay, I but I I wanted to bring up the robot sex made part because that is one of the actual most embarrassing parts of Xenoblade Chronicles two. Yes. where they where he but uh, like also, your guy. Tora has built a little robot and then it the, it does the as like the, the, <laughs> his cabinet opens up and it reveals that he has a bunch of like fucking um, Made costumes finished costumes for yeah. her to wear mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but also she's the best party member in terms of she's like really strength good. so you can't not use her <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with Poppy either like uh, Poppy is actually like I, I like Poppy she's cool um but it just god that fucking they just had no restraint. They had no editor yeah. on any of this stuff when they yeah. maybe needed it. Which that is said, also like the thing of like the contrast. You have that character, then you have like Morag standing right yeah. next to her. Right. And Bridget is a character who I think like is a like mm. I think pretty cool. Like Bridget is Morag's uh, blade and it is like definitely like a horny design. But I think she looks cool. Like she's got these two fire whips and stuff like that. Her legs are made of fire. It's cool. Um, for In fairness to the Nopons, I will say I did play future connected mm. which is the epilogue to xenoblade chronicles one right so it's technically the most recent thing that they've done other than xenoblade chronicles three right right and you have two nopon party members in that and those two characters are actually really good so i do believe that they have gotten better at writing right. nopons like I, I i i'm willing to trust that in three especially they'll be better because the the two you get are they're like a brother and a sister they're the they're the daughter and son of Ricky from the first game. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot about Ricky and like what a, how he's like just a really good dad, like when he's at home and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's cute. It's very fun. When you when you think about restraint in this team, um, there's obviously like the horny stuff and the horny stuff is in most of their games, I'd say. Um, but to me, it's been a while since they've taken a big swing, like putting, um, you know, Jesus of Nazareth in the game. Oh, see, I I was waiting for us to talk about Xena saga. The fact that (laughs) Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ Uh are canonical in Uh this world and not just canonical, but but part of the lore. Yes. It's (laughs) crucial to the lore. And Mm -hmm. I've always, one of my favorite things is that if, if you ever see a fictional world in which a Bible or the concept of Christmas exists, that implies that Christianity is real in mm-hmm. that, that universe. So just apply that whenever you want. Whenever you see a character mention Christmas in any way, you now know that Christmas exists like Christianity exists in that universe. And Jesus mm-hmm. Christ was in that universe at one point. Mm-hmm. It can lead to some fun paths, but yeah. uh, like, the way that Xeno Saga specifically goes so out of its way to incorporate all this stuff, like the, the, you know, subtext is for cowards route of like, no, if we're going to use all this 
imagery, we might as well just use the whole, <laughs> the whole Buffalo while we're at it. Right. Um, it's, it's honestly, I think that's why I like the Xeno games so much, even when I bounce off of them, you know, tonally or for whatever other reason is that they are so unabashed about like, no, we're going to do the thing. We're not going to like yeah. half ass it. Yeah. I think it was, this is a very old tweet, like literally years ago. It was the first time I'd thought about Xenoblade since expl- like watching G2, G4 TV. But I remember, I think it was Christine Love tweeted something along the lines of like, turnabout is fair play with this stuff because it is really interesting, like from a cultural perspective of the way that Western games and media and movies mine other cultures and other religions for like exoticized oh, sure. character designs right. and like mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's just like, Oh, here on this week's episode of supernatural, we're going to kill Vishnu or whatever. Like they'll just, <laughs> yeah. that just happens constantly in Western media. And like Xeno saga is one of the most like high profile examples of uh, an Eastern like developer doing the exact opposite thing. I'm just like being like, all right here we've made we've made Jesus Christ a mini boss. Or whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, for folks that, that really wanted that stuff, we were feasting in the mid two thousands because we had Xenosaga mm-hmm. and we had shadow hearts. And like, those were two series on the PS two that like there were Eastern based developers that took these Western concepts and Western culture and, really just went fucking ham with, with yeah. all of it. And it was, that was mm, chef's kiss, beautiful time for, for those six games. Um, yeah. The three Xeno sagas and the three shadow hearts. We've never done shadow hearts on this show. We should really do that. We haven't. We haven't. Yeah. Another we, we, game oh. with huge titty characters. Yeah. 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 Three is wild. Shadow three Heart is three. very wild. <laughs> Genuinely wild. Yeah. Like not a great game necessarily, but no, absolutely wild. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, for Xeno Saga specifically, like the writer Soria Saga, who is like Takahashi's wife, mm-hmm. like she she has a huge interest in Western philosophy. Like yeah. she has typically name dropped Jung and Nietzsche and Freud as mm. like things that have influenced her writing. So mm-hmm. like she I think Saga was her working out this idea of I believe she was raised religious. So mm. her she believes that like religion controls people and she wants to explore that. And that's the, like Saga is just an explore it was supposed to be a six game exploration of that concept mm-hmm. and then by like xenoblade they're like i don't know max i guess so yeah. like it, it, something <laughs> was a little a little bit lost but i think like it was lost in the way of i think they got it out of their system of what they wanted to talk about mm-hmm. right yeah i think they got a little more interested in mechanically like it in the mechanical relationship between the player and the game. I think yeah. like, I, I think like Xeno gears and Xeno saga were very much explorations of this like narrative and setting and things like that. And Xeno saga, especially um, did like kind of like, didn't give a shit about being mechanically interesting at all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There were very, you know, as Miriam was pointing out earlier, like, the the turn based battles were kind of agonizing in the Xeno Saga series. Actually, um, they were just like it was at a period where a lot of those battles were very long and animations were too long. And like Xeno Saga was a terrible um, you know example of that. And yeah, I remember a fight where only chaos could do damage. So if you didn't have chaos right. leveled up, then you were mm-hmm. just screwed. Yeah, it was it was a mechanically very frustrating game, and I think mechanically this team has gotten much more interested in providing an enjoyable experience and then kind of layering an interesting story and characters kind of, uh, you know, over that, which I think is 
maybe the opposite of the philosophy they had kind of early going. Um, but that shows, I, I think like that they've, they've just made better games. I mean, I think you can definitely argue that that Xenoblade Chronicles two is not as good, but it's like, I think for the most part, they've made strides as they've gone. Yeah. Like Xenoblade Chronicles Chronicles X is a, like, it's essentially a ship of Theseus analogy, but like about humanity and like, what if we, what if a thing that is humanity, but is not humanity begins creating a new planet for themselves for life? How does, is it still the same planet if they like rip it apart and create it to the, like their mm. own designs and designers? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it, like it's a little weird at some point in terms of how that story starts <laughs> progressing, but I can see where they start, where they start going for it. And like that old ass, cause like Saga's not writing for them anymore, but she's still doing like scenario writing and stuff like that. But I can see where their attention is now, at least it's not in the same, it's not as not subtle as Xenoblade or Xenosaga was. Uh-uh, right. <laughs> yeah. But also like, I think some of that not subtlety worked to its benefit uh, yeah. in a way that feels like, like, like with Xenoblade Chronicles 2 feels harder to defend in some way. Yeah, mm. I can see that. Uh, and on you know, like talking about the gameplay and stuff like that too, like I just do think that these games. Have, but I remember one of the big things people actually like, but more the so than even the British accents, people like talking shit about the original Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii was just like it's an MMO. It's just like used as MMO combat, so it's not mm. fun. Um, because there was also just like I, <laughs> I feel like that has kind of gone out of the window too. But there was a time there where people were like, I refuse to play MMOs because you just press buttons. Yeah, and I was like. That's, that's what video what games are. That's what video yeah. games are. <laughs> right? yeah, 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 yeah. But there was like this, I don't know, there was this uh, maybe like post-World of Warcraft pushback against a lot of that stuff. And there was like a lot of, I think it was partially just like so many video games getting tur- like chasing the MMO bandwagon and stuff like that. You yeah. had like, you know, every major franchise had to have an MMO associated with it. Yeah, Star Wars, Lord FF11 of the Rings, whatever. followed by FF12, FF which was a very like MMO take on Final yeah. Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, and I, I'm, it's fun that you bring up Eleven because I do think that like Xenoblade specifically is in conversation with it's in conversation with with Twelve because it's using a lot of the or uh, fourteen I think um, mm, because it's mm-hmm. using a lot of the ideas uh, and it's it's built on a lot of the ideas of like positional attacks and stuff like that and Absolutely. like building up meters yep. and gauges. I think also like the the world design is very 11 like the idea of you will just be walking around a big giant 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 place that is Mm -hmm. zero load times you it's all connected uh you can walk up a mountain and see where you came from down below and the skyblocks looks gorgeous you see a waterfall and it looks Mm -hmm. like you can still a hundred miles away you can still see the mist bubbling out of the waterfall where it's hitting the ground. Yeah. And also a giant fucking dinosaur will just come out and eat you mm-hmm. because oh, they're God. at level 90 and you're level 17. Yeah. And that is such a Final Fantasy 11 thing. Yep. Uh, I've, I've been really impressed as I've been playing Xenoblade three specifically in that it feels like they're encouraging you to find more in the world and explore more. Cause they have this idea of like secret areas that are, um, like off the beaten path places that you have to kind of go looking for and you get a little reward and a ping when you find them. And at first I, I found one and I was like, wait, that's it. There's like no container up here. There's no like special item. I don't get anything. Right. It's just like, Hey, you found a cool place. And then I was like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I did find kind of a cool place. I took some screenshots and I went into first person mode and just kind of looked around. I was like, dang, 
this this world's kind of rad. I mean, that harkens back to when Takahashi first pitched Xenoblade One. Uh, infamously, he brought it into Nintendo. They just built a model of the two giants that were mm. like fighting and had died, and that the world had yeah. grown on top of. Yep. They just brought a model in of that. Yep, and that was the pitch. They were it's like, a, "Look it's at a this! Good, it's a good pitch. It's a good Look pitch. The world is so <laughs> yeah. cool." Yeah. Honestly, like that's that was like the main thing that got me into like interested in Xenoblade was the idea that you are on two things that are so like inconceivably big mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they just look like land to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that different <laughs> biomes grew depending on like what part of the body they were on. So like. Mm-hmm. Uh, ones that saw sun a lot would be, you know, more of kind of the arid or like, um, you know, hotter places. But then you get to like the small of the back and it's a frozen wasteland. Like right. there's there's some cool stuff like that in there yeah. that they they put a lot of really interesting thought into the world. And I don't know that I've seen all of that yet with Xenoblade 3, but it definitely has like some early touches of this. Like the design of the world is very important to what's happening in the story. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two is like the sky based thing. And I think it works like does that super well. Oh, like there's yes, one too many yeah. caves in that game because you're going into like into the Titan things. But yeah. like there's one area that's like just large. The, the islands are just large jellyfish that are like mm. held together by like a like ramshackle rope bridges. And it's yeah. the most interesting looking thing that like I, I can't be mad at that game because that environment art is just so out of this world. A monolith soft is just like they god they th- that one thing has never gone away like they have from I don't, I don't know how what they were doing in xeno saga so i don't know if like there's any of that element in those games at all it's but it, like from it's probably the worst in xeno saga i would say but yeah okay yeah like even go like on the wii and on the 3ds like those are not the best looking versions of that game obviously because the the definitive edition really overhauled the way that the game looks but even back then like the draw distance that they were able to coax out of a fucking wii was just wild Mm -hmm. yeah i think like so the way that they've kind of been split up now is nintendo has one monolith soft studio that does like actual game design and like they do the xenoblade games and stuff like that and then they have another that's kind of does tech work and then mm-hmm. they work together sometimes to like make games i think the the one that works on tech is like it imp- they've improved a lot by working on other games like you could tell with xenoblade 3 they learned a lot by working on breath of the wild and like the dozen other games like breath of the wild 2 that they've they've improved and I was looking at the Digital Foundry stuff for Xenoblade 3, which is leagues better, technically, than Xenoblade 2 was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, like, is in that video for Digital Foundry, they're speculating, like, oh, this must be why Breath of the Wild 2 looks better than we thought. Because right. they're learning. They're getting better. They're they're applying the stuff that they've learned in Xenoblade 2 to the next game, as, or Xenoblade 3, to their next game as well. So I think, mm. like, the way they're split up is, it's sad because the, the studio that does essentially mercenary work is the one that made Bat and Kaidos, which I think is a fucking fantastic game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, it does seem like it does. It is improving their, their tech ability over time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is it, Xenoblade three, especially is an uh, arresting game from a kind of a technical experience. I mean, obviously it still looks like a Nintendo switch game, so it's not like a, you know, it's not going to look like, fucking Elden Ring or whatever, but it's like, it is, 
just all the stuff that Nier was talking about, draw a distance and, and, you know, seeing mm-hmm. stuff from a distance, you could do this, you could do that. You can see all these biomes and, you know, the scale is just, you know, impressive. It's something that they've always, they've done well in this console generation and the previous one. Um, and like, they're, they're just getting much, much, much better at it, which is very cool. I really can't wait to see what they can do with, um, even more powerful hardware, which we may or may not be getting at some point soon. So, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, it sounds like we've kind of dug into a lot of stuff. I'm like I said, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I do really want to hear specifically like what sets Xenoblade Chronicles yeah. 3 apart from from a lot of what we've already kind of gone over. I, I'd love um, to step in on that role. Yeah, please. Um, please. As somebody who... Like, like I said, dropped off this series pretty hard after Xenosaga one and and was never really enticed back in. I think the first thing that really caught me was the framing of the story. Like Xenoblade one and Xenoblade two are both very much like the chosen boy. It mm-hmm. discovers powers and goes on yeah. a trip with his friends. And like I've, I've heard that story so many times. I'm very, right. very tired of it at this point, to be frank. Uh, and, and that's kind of why I like things like FF seven remake and the way it's twisting. Some of that stuff is at least like they're trying something different. They're doing right. something weird and new. And so Xena, Xenoblade Chronicles three, I, I again, I compared it to Tales of Rise earlier in that uh, it has kind of the same vibes of it's this group of of warriors. So the setup of the world is that these these nations, um, Agnes and Kevis, are uh, at war at all times. They're just constantly at war and the, they all have uh, everyone can only live for 10 years, 10 terms, as they call it. And at the end of their 10 terms, uh, if they live that long, they are given this rare. homecoming. Yeah, very rare, very rare. It, the game opens with everybody excitedly going to see the first homecoming at the colony <laughs> that they're living at because yeah. uh, it's never happened before. Um, but uh, they're given like this send off that like turns them into these big gold particles. So everybody lives for 10 years. That's it. Like they, they Logan's run. You have. Yes, they, they Logan's run yep. it. <laughs> um, and all of these, uh, basically two babies are bred and born and, and are sent out to fight in wars because the, the primary method of energy on this world is life force. And so when they die, their spirit particles get sucked up by these giant mechs called Pharaonises that fill the flame clock. And it's all about like filling the flame <laughs> clock. Like you have to kill I'm other all about people. Filling the flame clock. Yeah. Yeah. People are, <laughs> people are saying this, you hear it. <laughs> you could be making up everything you just said. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm actually well, pitching like my new RPG. Is, but nope. It's all true. <laughs> um, but I, it, it starts off really cool because like, I mean, right off the bat, they don't even like wait for something bad to happen. Like the main character is immediately going, Hey y'all, this is kind of messed up. This, this doesn't seem like a very sustainable way to run a world. Uh, everybody has to kill each other to stay alive. And we're all just being born to die and uh-huh. all that. That seems kind of bad. I don't want to die. Do you right. want it? That sounds bad. And uh, eventually due to plot reasons, uh, three special forces from Agnes and three from Kevis are forced together uh, and discover some secrets about the world and uh, go off on a quest where they are now being hunted by the the shadow organization behind everything while also trying to deal with the fact that they are now caught. You know, they're both seen as traitors by their individual nations and 
I think that alone really is is interesting because it's the same as a rise where it's like, hey, the world's messed up and we're tired of just being at its whims until we die. We're going to overthrow it by force now. And that's like a really compelling idea of like revolution and liberation and going as you go through the story, you can find all these side quests about different colonies where you solve their problems and free them from the flame clock and, and try to like make this world right again. Mm. Um, I, I also think that like the, we, we talked a little bit about, it, but the hero design is really compelling. So you have six characters in your party and that is like your core party and they can all swap around classes and learn from each other. And there's a really compelling sense of like learning different classes and mastering arts from those classes that is gives me like final fantasy tactics vibes where like mastering Mm -hmm. a class lets you then use those abilities in another class. So now you can really start to define roles and come up with cool combinations, but the hero design is really compelling too. There's um, I was going to post some pictures in here because we talked a lot about the gotcha folks and how bad they were, but like here's one that I just ran into named Alexandria that I really think is neat. And I have to like, gain five more levels to recruit her but she's really awesome there's also uh juniper who i'm working on the side quest for at the moment trying to find but juniper is a bow wielding hero that is currently getting a lot of attention because they are a non-binary character and uh people are unhappy about that because even though uchikoshi is out here dunking on uh, ignorant people. Uh, be, uh, there, there are people online who are still like, "Oh my god, this can't exist in a JRPG." But <laughs> all of it goes to show that, like, this is a cast that is varied. It's a cast that has a lot of really cool and interesting characters on the fringes to go and discover, even when you're not doing the main plot. And then the actual main plot, I was up until like three in the morning last night because I was in the middle. If y'all have played at home, it's that big scene that happens in chapter three near a waterfall. And that's all I'll say, but it was 30 minutes of the most unabashed bonkers stuff I've seen in an RPG since I played, um, patch 2.5 of final fantasy 14, like, like that level of stuff of like pre heaven's word 14, where I'm just like, what is happening? What's going on? Oh my God. So much is happening. How is this all coming together so fast? And, um, it paces its storytelling out so well and having these individual hero stories that are really compelling. And then you go jump back on the MSQ, jump back on the main quest and there are huge world reveals and big mech fights. Uh, the individual party members can all fuse into each other to become mechs, which is just really cool. Uh, they do like a fusion dance basically. And then, become mechs and that's both a battle mechanic and a really fun storytelling mechanic because they also share their memories when they do that uh it is it is just a really cool vibe that i think is so different from xenoblade one and two like so notably different everything that you've said sounds like exactly what i want (laughs) and sounds great (laughs) and i'm watching like gameplay footage of like the combat right now and i'm like god Oh, what if I just deleted Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and jumped straight to 3? So I mean, 3 heard, is a better video game, Near, Like, I'll tell you that. Like, it's, I, And I've been it's hearing better. that, like, there are links and there are references that definitely, like, yeah. reward people who yeah. have played yeah. Xenoblade 1 and 2. But also, you could... 
really just jump in with this one. I am jumping in with this one. I watched like a brief lore explainer of what happens in the first game. So I have at least that knowledge, but right. I I've like very little clue of what happens in two. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I am eating it up. I am like, I I'm probably about 30 to 35 hours in and still wow. only on chapter okay. three because I am just loving roaming around this world and fighting yep. the monsters. I think the combat system is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it feels like it's learned the best lessons from previous games as well as other stuff like the tail series about how to do combos really well and how to reward players yeah. for playing their role. I was going to um, say, Eric, like I- I've been kind of frustrated at how deeply tutorialized everything is in the mm-hmm. early going. But then, but then I remember that I thought Xenoblade one and two did a really bad job of explaining yeah. a lot of its um, systems. So it's like, now I'm enjoying the battle system a lot more because I think I understand how everything works, which is I, great. I've seen some people tweet some stuff that are like, oh, my God, look at these tutorials. I, I feel like I need to just sit down and yeah, you do need to like digest them. But number one, just about every time they pop a tutorial window in front of you, you close it and then the game is immediately like, OK, let's put that into practice. Yep. Let's like yeah. here's a checklist thing. On they the give side. you a checklist. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, kind of cool. And two, like once you learn the terminology that it's using, like the concept, I've talked about this before, but like the idea of special canceling has basically become part of like intrinsic gamer like literacy at this point. The idea of, you know, even going back to fighting games, do a punch and then cancel it into a fireball. That's just something that people are gradually understanding because it's seeped into RPGs. It's seeped into action games. It's part of everything at this point. So and that's like a big crux of what is happening in Xenoblade three is you are intended to kind of, okay, you have a basic attack and then you have an art, which is like your, your basic super move, not super move, like, like special move. And then you have a fusion art, which is you've taken a normal art, but you've combined it with another art that you've mastered from another class. So now when you like the good example is you have a ground slam, right? It just hits the ground, does an AOE damage. Great. Good stuff. But say you've mastered a medic class. And so now you can fusion art a heal onto that ground slam. So when you ground slam, it also heals everybody in an AOE around you. And that's kind of the basis of what their class system and battle system (sighs) does is it encourages you to like, have everybody branch out into different things and then come up with these really cool ability combinations that are then going to like feed into longer, more interesting combos over time. Yeah. God. Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's good. I I love that the last few weeks have just been like someone describing a game near and you're like, God damn it. Yeah. (laughs) I did it to Jan and now it's happening to me. It's fucking karma. It sucks. Mm -hmm. Cause I've got like, I'm all right. I'm working on, I, I, Thankfully, I think No Man's Sky is a little bit, you know, uh, to bed right now because it's just running through that event. But I've got that. I've got Warframe stuff to play. Mm-hmm. I've got to- I want to play Total War Warhammer 3. They got that Immortal Empires expansion coming out uh, mm-hmm. sometime in the near future. I've got Final Fantasy to catch up on because they got that patch coming out. I got Live oh. Alive. I've got this. I want to play that Into the Breach DLC. I- there's that like Mortuary Assistant horror game looks really cool. God, there's just it's just nonstop. It's Get- everywhere. Guess what, motherfucker? It never ends. It never <laughs> ends. Never ends. But, but Xenoblade keeps going. Xenoblade has auto save and quick save and save just about yeah. anywhere. And it, it, yeah, it's really nice. It's it's like the benefit. I actually think I wouldn't like this game as much if it was if I was playing on Steam or on my PlayStation because yeah. I love being able to just pick up, play it 
played on my couch, played in <laughs> bed. I was watching the Evo top eights and playing a bunch of Xenoblade mm, during all yeah. of that. And like it, it has ups and downs and a lot of moments where you can be like, okay, something like story is happening. I'm going to put it in my dock and play it on the TV. And now like, I'm just right. running around doing collectible quests. So I'm going to put something on while I play this or whatever. Uh, Spoken like somebody who doesn't own a steam deck yet. <laughs> hey, hey, I have a steam deck. I have a steam deck. Um, oh yeah. Let me tell you that bad boy can play a whole lot of old video games. Yes, it can. <laughs> and that's all we're going to say about that it, right now. <laughs> it sure can. Uh, I'm um, playing Xenoblade Chronicles X emulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 also has a um, hit F to pay respects button, which I think is great. Um, mm-hmm. You will find dead people on the battlefield all the time and you need to go over and little and flute their flute their souls home um <laughs> which is play like, him off yeah which is play him off it's very yuna final fantasy 10 yeah um kind of say. stuff um which i think is kind of fun um wow the the overworld exploration stuff is is really fun i do think it is pretty funny that you just see this like what looks like a blanket of stars and it's just all the little flat 2d texture collectibles that you can just run into it's mm-hmm. very very mm-hmm. funny um uh, I think the menuing in Xenoblade, this is, this is so small, but it's like, I think the menus in Xenoblade Chronicles 3 are way better than yes. um, 1 and 2. Um, so there's just a lot of like quality of life stuff that I think is much better in 3 than than uh, 1 and 2. Um, I've played 1 most recently uh, on the Switch and there's just a lot of just big improvements there. So um it, this game is very cool. Like I, yeah. I picked it up this week and I knew I was going to play it. I was, I, I intended to play it on um, my cruise. However, the internet on the ship was so bad. My switch could not even say, Hey, we're going to check to see if you can play this game that you pre-ordered. Um, ah, it couldn't even do oh that. No. So I didn't play the game until I got back. Um, picked it up just so I could really talk about it on the show. But now I'm kind of like, Oh, I might like see this through, which is like pretty rare for me in the middle of uh, a year to just like play something from start to finish. Honestly, it's pretty rare for me, especially um, something that's 90 hours long. Yeah. But this is one of those games that I, you know, kind of like Elden Ring. I'm like, OK, I think I'm going to think I'm really going to stick this thing out. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's really good. So pick it up if you're if you're like even remotely interested in the other games in the series or are, are interested in them, but, but maybe you didn't even like the the first two, I would say like they've done enough stuff in three to maybe compel you to, uh, to change your mind on the series, but it's very, very good. It's probably, probably the best thing they've made. Um, maybe ever. I think it's very good. Mm, interesting. Again, they, they just kind of keep improving, which is mm-hmm. yep. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like not even tech in terms of like game design and like to an extent <clears throat> story though, I definitely can see people who were like, no, oh, Xeno yeah. Gears and Xeno Saga were the top and these do not compete. Oh, but this one's got a banger story though. <laughs> it goes places. It goes places. I was going to say the, the most important aspect of Xenoblade 3 is that it turns out all my reporting was correct. So <laughs> <laughs> when I reported on it with details last At year, the end of the day, I was turned right. Out it was and that's the best yes. kind of uh, win. That's all that <laughs> like, matters. Whether I play the game or not, I was right. And that's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I think that's what we all wanted to come here together and say together as a as a mm-hmm. crew mm-hmm. was to say Imran was right. You mm-hmm. know, they mm-hmm. they have that that have that that famous copy of uh, Okami on Wii with the IGN watermark on it. Yep. I think we really need like a a boxed copy of uh, Xenoblade mm. Chronicles Three with Imran saying. I was right on the back of the box or something. Um, no context. Absolutely none. Um, yeah. Was it worth getting blacklisted by Nintendo? Who can say? But <laughs> who, can say? Whatever. who can say? Uh, whatever. Nintendo wasn't sending us games early anyway. Uh, all right. <laughs> we should wrap up. Uh, that was a pretty uh, fruitful conversation, I think. Um, especially since uh, Imran was right, but mm-hmm. Eric, thank you so much for being on with us. Absolutely, it was it was a joy. I always love coming on this podcast and talking with y'all folks, and and especially about a game that I have honestly had to just turn around and be like, well, Monolith Soft, good Xenoblade Chronicles, good. I I am a stand now. I yeah. I admit defeat. <laughs> So Normandy FM, the entire Xenoblade series, when? Oh, oh wow! Oh, no, Ken, I, I have to make Ken play uh, Fallout New Vegas first. That's the most important. Mm, okay, part. Uh, I am so close to cracking that that uh, topic with him. It will happen eventually. Give it. Time. I think Fallout Ken's gonna really yeah. like that game. Yeah, he, same. He likes cyberpunk, and yeah. I, I'm I've been trying to tell him that if you like cyberpunk, Fallout New Vegas does better. everything that game does better <laughs> than better. cyberpunk. Yeah. It did it eight years ago, uh-huh. ten years ago, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. not broken and not badly written. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know about the broken well, maybe part. Maybe a little but, broken. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> okay, broken but can be fixed. Yeah. Oh, right. oh, like literally playable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I love that idea, Eric. Keep, if you need me to uh, to to be your like spy on the inside, getting yeah. uh, Ken to play New Vegas, he would love New Vegas. My spy on the inside like, means we're Ken's bosses. We can just say, "Hey, we're gonna do a lot of Fallout New Vegas news." Yeah, soon. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> drop, like, drop it in casual Ken? conversation. You know, <laughs> we're gonna launch our New Vegas vertical. I just Finally. like. Buy, I was like <laughs> Buy him a sandwich for lunch that day, and it's just got a wad of cash in it that says "Play Fallout New Vegas." Hey, we bought you the bloatfly.com. Um, yeah, it's now it's just it's just the Final Fantasy. We, I mean, it's just the John, New Vegas vertical. This is our we new need you to interview Mr. Matthew House. Perry. So, oh he, my like, god, please, <laughs> fuck. All right, we've really got to wrap it up after that. I can't go on. Um, <clears throat> but before we uh, wrap on up, I'm just going to say real quick that you can find me on Twitter at Miriam Strum. You can find uh, Eric Van Allen where? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CMUSI. You can find me by day over at Destructoid, uh, writing articles there. And you can find me by evenings and night doing Acts of the Blood God at Blood God Pod and Normandy FM at Normandy FM Show. Like Stripperella, you have a job at night and then another job at later night. Yeah, yeah, because that really worked out well for Stripperella and Batman and everybody else who's done that. So (laughs) I I only see good things in my future from this. Um, Where can people follow you, Imran? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at ImranZUMG, or you can find me uh, at fanbyte.com, where I do most of my writing. I've been doing a lot of evil writing this week. Uh, Oh, yeah. Also, go to the Fanbyte Discord at fanbyte.casa, and you can at me, and I will answer questions about whatever you want. 
Cool. Uh, and uh, John, where can people follow you? You can find me at Floppy Adult. I'm locked down right now, but you can still request me, and I might I might let you in. Who knows? Ooh, um, exclusive John news. I just love not being perceived. I don't know how it's long so this nice. is going to so go good. on, but oh, it's just yeah. it's nice. It's nice to just be chill and you probably really can't find me in many other places i don't really do a whole lot of writing these days um and uh yeah. just kind of john's actually a spy john john <laughs> keeps it of. on the down low yeah a little yeah. bit um but yeah you can yeah you can find me you can find me there and some other podcasts and blah blah blah, blah. but yeah thanks uh, and you can find one of our uh, wonderful producers, uh, Paul Tamayo, at Polymeo on Twitter. Uh, Paul has also written a couple of things for us in the recent past uh, that you can read on fanby.com. And uh, hey, while, while you're at it, read one of my things on fanby.com. I just wrote a massive No Man's Sky tips guide. It, we have the thing on the website where if you tweet something from Fanbyte, it gives like an estimated time to read. And the estimated time to read on my No Man's Sky tips guide, 45 things the game doesn't tell you, is 41 40. minutes. One minute. <laughs> oh, you, couldn't, you couldn't have gotten up four more minutes? Yeah, come on. Come on, get it, get that, get that bad boy up to forty-five. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be at least as long as an episode of syndicated television. So. <laughs> Nearly as long as this podcast. <laughs> I want, I want, I want to spend the entire time uh, that an episode of The Good Wife is on to read a No Man's Sky guy. guy. Well, you, you can open that one up or you can open up any of them and just leave that open up on your computer for a little while. Click on all those little little animated things that show you love Final Fantasy fourteen and whatever. Those are ads. You want to click on those. It makes the experience way better. Uh, and another thing that makes everybody's experience way better is sidling on over to the bar. The 99 Potions Bar. Does the bar have a name? We've never named the We've bar. We've never named it. We'll have to think about that. Let, let's yeah. do that at a meeting next week. Let's like yeah. sit down and be like, let's figure out the name for the bar. I love that. Yeah. Or, I love this. Or go to fanbyte.com into the 99 Potions thing and like, yeah, what's, channel. What should the tavern Ooh. be called? Tell us yeah. what the bar is called. Yeah. Please send us your suggestions for what the bar that we go to should be called. Please do. Uh, now, while we're in the bar with no name, though, we might as well grab ourselves a drink off the high shelf. Come on together and give it a good old...